Okay. Okay. This is Bridges for Music. Welcome to the Bridges for Music podcast. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our friends at Pioneer DJ for making this podcast possible. Pioneer DJ has been a committed patron of Bridges for Music from day one. For more information on how to get involved or apply for our programs, visit bridgesformusic.org. As an artist dedicated to social justice, Dope St. Jude joins us in conversation live from her hometown, Cape Town, South Africa. As a result of her reality, she was forced to look for another way of seeking inspiration. So this meant listening to informative artists and adopting the duty to assist the next person. With her most recent work being licensed by Netflix and HBO to touring Europe each summer, she's gone from strength to strength, including joining the Bridges for Music board. Let's listen to Dope Say Jude talk about how she remains dope. Welcome to Bridges for Music. Um, I'm Yams. I'm a former alumni and now like intern and I do a lot of the podcasts. And so we knew you were coming and we're like super excited just to get you and just to hear a little bit of, you know, what's going on in your mind and who you really are um, for people that maybe have might have not met you. But just something nice and sweet for Pioneer DJ. They really are in support of this podcast and they like what's been going on. Um, my last interview was with Kitty and um, CEO, so you're coming up next. <laughs> um, so, yeah, welcome. And um, I know you're born and bred in the Cape Flats and... I can understand that where you might have grown up, um, where would you have drawn your inspiration from? Because it's it's pretty tough to grow up in area. Like I, for myself, know I'm from Langa, and I know the history behind how it felt like to grow up in Langa. So, like, where did you draw your inspiration to kind of be an advocate in music and be different from the rest? Um, you know, I think it started with the fact that my my mom was a teacher. So I think I was largely like protected from the reality of the Cape Flats. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't exposed to like gangsterism and all of that. Even though it was like very much in the community. My mom was a teacher, my dad worked in a children's home and also my parents were like very involved in church. So I was like, spending time in the library, spending time at church. And I must say that like as a kid spending time in the library, like I would build worlds in my mind. Um, I would imagine what life is like outside of the Cape Flats because we didn't have a car growing up. Like we had to take a taxi everywhere or take a train or walk. I remember once walking to visit my auntie here in Langa from all the way from Matrosfontein walking on a Sunday afternoon. So like books were really an escape for me and music was an escape for me, like to imagine a different world. Um, So that's really like how it started was like this imagination by like consuming other people's Mm. art and creations. Um, So speaking about reality, like that was a key thing for me as well. Um, because you actually are living in what's going on. But luckily for you, your parents tried to keep you away from that. Um, But did you ever feel any responsibility to like, even though you don't really know how it's happening out there, but any responsibility to change 
um, the stigma around the place that you come from, you know? Yeah, 100%. I feel that like in everything I do, I mention where I come from because I think people have a very one-dimensional view of like the disenfranchised communities in South Africa specifically. And like, we are multifaceted, we are interesting, we have ambitions, we have ideas. And I do feel a responsibility in the way I present myself, yeah. but also like even being involved in Bridges as a board member, like to provide that perspective of someone who comes from the community that's being served. Yeah, yeah, like on the ground. Yes. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the work that you do. I mean, I'm I'm sure that there's a lot more that we see versus what you actually work for and what you've been doing behind the scene. Um, but I just wanted to also get into, um, I've noticed, I've had this conversation with CEO as well about as artists, um, we kind of have this, especially female artists, we have this um, pressure about how do we um, present ourselves. And I've noticed that you also have a bold personality and you present that with your look. Um, but how important, how did you manage to kind of nurture that? I'm sure that for me, I know in my community, I had a lot of pressure of like, oh, the girls, this is how a girl should dress up in the community and all that. But how did you remain true to like who you really are and understand that you want to be present in your boldness? Mm. You know, it's very complicated because there's so many layers to it, right? There's the level of being a woman, then there's the level of being a black woman, and then for me, growing in a house that intersects uh, black and coloured, and that's, in South Africa's context, is also very complicated when it comes to beauty standards. Mm -hmm. And um, then I'm also a queer woman, and so... I always felt like I was on on the outside and it was a journey for me. I'll start with my hair. So I've, I've yes. got dreadlocks and <laughs> this was a fight with my mother. My mother um, really valued like straightening my hair, mm. you know, and, and, and my mom was, um, uh, she was, she grew up, she's a half Sutu woman and she had her own issues with her hair texture and with her mm. skin color that she projected and passed on to, to me. You, yeah. And um, it was like a real journey, but music actually got me out of it because the artists I admired, Lauren Hill, yeah. Tracy Chapman, they yeah. all had locks. Lenny Kravitz had locks. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be like them. Yeah. And so that was like the beginning of like, of that journey. But parallel to that journey, I acknowledge that as women artists, how we present ourselves can be very important. Mm. But more importantly to me is how I present myself intellectually. Like I really put a lot of thought into what I say and how I communicate my ideas. Um, I won't be naive and say that like the aesthetic doesn't matter. But mm. for me, it's secondary. Like I want the aesthetic to communicate the political thought that's happening in my mind. And so that's why the hair is this way, because I rebuke Western mm. beauty standards. Mm. That's why I have my tattoos and I wear, uh, I, I, I dress, uh, I gender bend when I dress, because mm. I, from an intellectual perspective, I 
I don't want to adhere to the status quo. Mm. So for me, it's like, how do how can I find that balance? It's yeah. not just about looking pretty. It's like, what am I trying to say here? Yeah. Um, and like on your point with hair, it's such a, there's so many aspects in how we, I mean, guys, I feel like it's very easy for them, but for women, like there's so many aspects that can actually speak more than like what you're talking about. Um, so it's very interesting for me that, you know, when you say your mom, you had a, an issue with your mom. Um, and it's, it's actually interesting that she has her own personal, um, struggles that she had. And a lot of people don't even know what it means to project something onto the next person. So for you to have that like insight obviously has led you to be who you are and like be true to yourself. Um, so one of the things now that you've mentioned um, kind of being politically, not politically, but like mentally there and not just about what people see. Um, I admire the work that you've kind of done in terms of being a socially what do they call it? A social conscious artist. Um, that is a big thing because a lot of people out there are just want to be on stage, just want to perform, but don't really get down to like, what am I actually doing and why am I doing it? Um, so I wanted to ask you what, besides you've mentioned, you've grown up in a family that um, works in kind of social environments, um, but what else kind of motivated you and what did you want to see for yourself in that space? So for me, it was always really important to, I think, have empathy. I think that's where it started is like being able to put myself in someone else's shoes. And I think because my mom was a teacher, my dad worked in a children's home and also just having a family with complicated racial dynamics, like you start to recognize suffering. You know, you see that like the status quo is damaging to the way that we are living, that my family is living. It, it stops us from, from being able to move in the world that we want to. And then I think added to that, like I have four brothers, I'm the only girl. So I've always been like this little feminist in my house, <laughs> yeah. um, questioning why my dad gets the biggest piece of meat. <laughs> yeah. So like just, I think um, like, Seeing suffering and like not wanting that for myself and not wanting that for other people. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think uh, my parents sent me to schools outside of the area. They sent me to like um, Pinelands. I went to Pinelands High School and I had to take a train from Bishop Lavis. Yes, <laughs> I took a train from Bishop Lavis to Bontevul to Langa and then to Mutual Station. Mm. And like just in that journey and then going to school with kids whose parents dropped them off in their BMWs, yeah. like, and feeling that inferiority, like I felt less than because we didn't have money for a car. Mm. We lived outside of where everyone else was living. Mm. So it just like lit a fire under me to want to change that for myself and for other people because why am I not worthy of all the nice things that other people are worthy of. There is nothing inherently uh, worse or lower inside of my spirit. And if you are a Christian, I use Christianity as an example, we believe that we are all children of God. Mm -hmm. And so by that virtue, we are all equal. Yeah. And even if you don't believe in Christianity, I believe that by virtue of being human, we are entitled to the beauty of this world. 
And so I want that for everyone, not only for myself or for people who look like me, but for everyone, you know? And so that's really where it comes from. It comes from like a place of empathy. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can imagine that in this journey that you that you were going through at the time of um, like experiencing the hardship and inequalities, who did you look for? Insp not inspiration, but who could you kind of go home and be like, look, I'm tired of this. My dad is getting a bigger piece of chicken than me. I can't deal. What, what's our next step? Like, who did you, because I'm, I'm sure that it might have been hard. You might have been um, criticized in your community and like the black sheep and whatever. Like, how did you deal with that? How did you, who was there for you at that time? Uh, it was books and music. <laughs> so I read Toni Morrison. I was reading Maya Angelou, like these black, powerful women, yeah. like writing like inspirational poetry, phenomenal woman, that's me. Yeah. And um, listening to Laura Neal, listening to Tracy Chapman, um, like that really was like my refuge. Mm. And like that's where I took, I felt like it was a safe haven for me in the music. And I think that's why music is such a big part of my life mm. because so many musicians like helped me through difficult times. I remember even listening to Alanis Morissette, who's so different to my reality. She's a white Canadian punk rock pop star. Yeah. But like her music was super angsty and like angry. And I felt this anger in, in myself, yourself, yeah. you know, and I recognized it in her. And I think like that's really also what drew me to music as a career is like the ability to connect with people like across barriers, so many yeah. barriers, yes. So with the work that you've been doing in kind of advocating for equality and change, um, not only are you kind of educating yourself, but you're very passionate about teaching others. So for people that might not know, can you just kind of walk us through what your version of an innovative live presentation is and what do you do when you have like one of those when you say like when you word it like that I think it makes it sound like more fancy or like bigger <laughs> than what it is but um like my approach to uh, the way I present myself and the way I live my life is to be in service of others because I've learned the hard way <laughs> that um, the real joy is actually in making yourself a resource for other people. So like when I'm on stage, I, before I go on stage with my band, we, uh, we meditate and we commit ourselves to being in service of the audience. We're not there for ourselves. We're going to enjoy ourselves, but we are in service of the audience. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what does that mean besides, like, just having a good fun time on stage and making good music? It's, like, the intent behind it. Like, what is the intent behind the show? Like, what are we trying to communicate? Um, because I believe that music is very special, and we can communicate a plethora of things through music and through the performance of music. Uh, so yeah, I think going with that approach of like being in service, I think is innovative yeah. because in this capitalist society, we're not taught to be in service of each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that like that's something that is different and, um, and maybe innovative. Okay. 
Um, I'm excited to maybe one day experience that because I haven't actually seen you perform live. So one day is one day. <laughs> um, and just like to the music. Um, first of all, where did you get the name Dope Saint? Like Dope Saint Jude, I got um, my second name is Saint Jude. So my full name is Catherine Saint Jude Pretorius. My parents were super Catholic and Saint Jude is the um, saint of lost or hopeless causes. I think because my mom wanted a girl and she had four boys and so I was the girl and so it was like kind of a hopeless cause. I think she prayed to St. Jude to get a daughter who ended up being gay. <laughs> um, and so I just added the word dope to it because honestly, I should have given it more thought, but I was in a rush to like make my music happen. So I was like, dope, that sounds cool. I'll just yeah. add it to my second name. And that's how I got the name. <laughs> and it's so interesting because you actually do follow your name yeah. in a way because, you know, um, like trying to manifest for a better cause and, you know, being the only person that's... I feel like it, at the time that you were doing it, since you said your refuge were books and stuff, you were the only person out there fighting, like, with yourself. Yeah against all these other people and inequalities and stuff. Um, but back to the music, uh, what is your favorite project, you could say, um, while you've been making your music? Um, I think, like, the m my favorite musical endeavor has been this last tour I did with my band. Um, we toured uh, around Europe and uh, the Canary Islands, you were like traveling a lot, but that's not why it was special because I've, I've toured before. But because this was the first time where I prioritized like being in service to my band and like existing for them. And in return, they were in service to my music. And it was the most beautiful experience, like connecting with people that way and two of my band members hardly speak any English. So it's like there's just a love there and a loyalty and a devotion we have to each other that we, we can't actually speak to each other in the same language. We have to like speak in broken language to each other. Mm. But like what a fulfilling experience to like travel on the road with these people, um, get to know them, support their careers, they support mine. It was like one of the purest experiences that my music career has, has brought me. And I think it took a long time because in the beginning of my career, I was like very insecure and I was dominated by ego. So it was very difficult for me to like hold space for other people, you know, without feeling like that they're taking away from me, mm -hmm. you know? And I think as you mature and you get older and you do that kind of work on yourself, you start to, you become humble and that humility like really helps in the way you interact with other people because you make yourself small and you make yourself in service for them. And when you do that, it's like this amazing thing opens up. And so I've had the best experience with my band. I love them so much. We like get along. We love each other. The music's great. And I've just ne never had that because the music industry is full of ego yeah. and it's full. It can be complicated. It can be like, it can be hard. And I, and I empathize with that because I've been there and I'm still there sometimes, you know, sometimes I do operate from insecurity and ego, but with this experience, wow. And so going forward, I want to like replicate that with other people. Like, how can I be open? How can I, 
how can I be in support of you? Because I know if I'm in support of you, you can, it opens up for you to be in support of me. You know, and I mean that honestly, I don't mean it in a selfish way. I mean it in a let's all win. I want you to win so that I can win, but I also want you to win. You know what I mean? If you want to listen to these conversations live and have access to this incredible community, you can join us at our physical campus, the Bridges Academy in Langa, South Africa. A revolutionary learning space where you will find courses on music, entrepreneurship, film, DJing and much more. For more information on how to apply, visit bridgesacademy.org. Um, speaking of like, my next question actually faces well into your answer, um, talking about how back then you used to work from a place of maybe ego or insecurity and you've done a lot of work on yourself. And that's like, for me, the most important thing an artist can ever do. Um, because we are constantly giving to other people, and if you're not, if you don't know what you're giving to other people, it, it's, it gets lost in the mist somewhere. But I was actually wanted, I wanted to know um, more about your um, EP Reimagine, and talking about how, for me, it sounds like you kind of reimagined um, a way to work with your band now. But what was your journey like at that time, um, writing that EP or working on that project? Yeah, so I wrote that. That's my first project I released in 2016, Reimagine, and it was full of hope. And I I hadn't, like, traveled or done anything like that, so it was, like, really me putting out all this energy about like what I imagined for myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to reimagine my reality as someone who like had never traveled. And I, I people were laughing at me saying I want to make music like it was at that stage when like people were like, like, oh, like really? And, <laughs> and I just like wanted to make music that would manifest that reality. Cause as I said to the students earlier, my friend Cindy told me that music is like casting a spell or saying a prayer. It's like a special message you put out into the universe. Mm -hmm. And so with that first project, I was like putting out my first signal into the universe about like where I want to be and who I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so that project transformed my whole life, like, and it's led to other things. And I keep that in mind now as I create to remember like that I'm doing something special, like when we engage with music, it's something like very sacred, it's something very special, and to not like take that very lightly. So think about like what I'm saying in my music and like think about the energy I'm putting out um, with the music, yeah. Um, so with Reimagine and your journey in that and a lot of things coming from that, how did you manage to like with features and working with other artists that might have not thought, oh, what is she doing? The ones that actually felt like, wow, this is dope. This is cool. How was your your process in like working with other people? Did you prefer to kind of like have your band and first mold what you've got or were you very open to like features and... Um, I think in the beginning I I was very insecure so it was difficult for me to work with other artists because I believe that they were way more talented than I was and I struggled to like see my own value and that me being different is my strength. Mm -hmm. I um, wanted to be like everyone else. And so in the beginning it was like hard to collaborate 
but that changed as I grew as a person, as I grew as an as an artist, as able to like do that work on myself and be able to like really collaborate with people in a meaningful way. And I don't only mean that with the music, I mean like even business-wise and opportunity-wise uh, in friendships, like really opening myself up because it took me a long time to learn that I'm not an island and that I can't do things like just in solitude alone. It takes a team to um, to grow and for you, you gotta cultivate that. And so like that's been a journey and I'm still on it. And um, it's exciting because I, I learn more about myself and I learn even more about other people and it's extremely fulfilling. So back in 2016, ever since you started like rapping and making music and writing, um, have you ever kind of learned how to produce and get familiar with, you know, more technical stuff? And uh, where did you kind of draw that inspiration like? Well, I taught myself to produce very early on in my career. My first project, Reimagine, I produced myself. But I will say I wasn't a strong producer, but I have like built my confidence around music production. And it's also been a journey and working with other producers, collaborating. Um, when I went to London, I worked with an amazing producer named Pete Boxster Martin, who produced my um, last few projects. Um, and like watching how he works and just being open to like learning and also not putting too much of a block between um, myself and the production. Because sometimes you can think, oh, it's so technical and I have to have like, but you can learn those skills, you know? We have to have a growth mindset about it. Like, just because I don't know today doesn't mean that I'm not gonna know tomorrow. I just gotta learn, watch some YouTube videos and pick up the skills, easy peasy. <laughs> With regards to like you producing for yourself and kind of being comfortable enough to make music that you actually let out. I know for myself, I tried to produce and like, mm. I don't think people should hear this yet. How do you think as females we can regain that confidence? I don't know how guys do it, but for some odd reason they're able to bounce off like ideas and all these softwares and all that information. How can as females create like better or safer spaces for that and to encourage like production within our circles? Mm. Well, I think like as 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 women, we are socialized to um, sometimes make ourselves smaller or to produce perfect products. And I think um, like maybe letting go of that perfectionist way of of doing it, of doing things, because um, without sounding sexist and maybe I, I, I preface that because maybe what I'm about to say might be sexist, but it's, men have more freedom to produce mediocre work and then they have the space to grow and learn. And I think women don't often have that space. We don't afford women the opportunity to like grow through, like to have the growing pains. We expect polished products. We put women on higher on a higher uh, platform. Oh, sorry, we hold them to a higher standard. I think, in my opinion, even when I look at the music game now, particularly hip hop, uh, I'm a fan of Megan The Stallion, and I look at like the way people treat her, the media, and how men react to her. And I think that people put on a put her on 
they judge her on a much higher platform than they would someone else because she's exceptional. She's amazing. Um, so really like creating the space for between each other to like put out work and give us the space to grow, give each other the space to grow. And I think that it, like men are not only guilty of um, judging women too harshly, I think we judge ourselves harshly too. And so it's really like creating space for growth. That's what's really important because we all start somewhere and we need to have that growth mindset that just because today I suck doesn't mean tomorrow I'm gonna suck. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I think. Um, is that what kind of inspired um, in Dombi Workshop? Can you tell us like a little bit of that? Um, yeah, so in Tombi Workshop is a project I worked on um, with Marion High. Um, and it was like an arts program that we ran at the school. I'm still um, involved with the school, but in a, in, on, a, on a different level. But yeah, it was the idea of like upskilling young people, but also just getting them in touch with their artistic side. Um, because art is, the, the creativity is linked to imagination and imagination is so important. Um, as a refuge, but also as a source for uh, creating, for world creating. And so for me, it's important that young people are in touch with their creativity and with their imagination, because that's like the starting point of transforming mm. your world. Yeah. It seems a lot similar to the work that's been done here at Bridges as well. Um, how did you kind of come into play or kind of have the conversation with Bridges um, and join the board? Um, so it started a long time ago with uh, my relationship with Nando's. Mm -hmm. So I was making music in Cape Town. I had music videos out there and Nando's was looking for an artist to feature um, and talk about like their music journey and all of that. Cause you know, uh, Nando's does a music exchange with artists in the UK and South African artists. So they liked what I was putting out. They liked my vibe. And so they asked me to be a part of that documentary. And so I started building a relationship with Nando's and with Kerry, who was the P head of PR for Nando's. And, um, we just kind of kept up that relationship. I'd done lots of work with Nando's and Kerry, is on the board for Bridges for Music and Bridges for Music has a lot of sponsorship from Nando's, there's an involvement there. And so at one point they just asked me, um, actually, you know what actually happened? Uh, I worked with Ballantines oh. and, and, and Ballantines asked me to choose an organization to donate money to and I chose Bridges for Music and Bridges was like, cool, we really like Catherine, we like what she does, she's from here and they invited me to join the board. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, I don't take it lightly. And I'm like, only been on the board for about six to seven months, but I am very present and I'm engaged and I'm like ready to make stuff happen. Awesome, thank you for taking that responsibility and being part of it. We need more people like you there that are from South Africa, but doing great work around the world. And I've got like a fun question to ask you. I mean, you're traveling a lot now. For me, it's like, I don't even know where you are based, but for me, it's like you're based all around the world. Um, where's your favorite place to perform? Like where, where do you enjoy performing? And it's like you fulfilled 
all your dreams when you're there and performing and the crowd is responding? Or where has where has your favorite performance been like around the world? Um, I will say um, France okay. because like they were that was the first international show I did was in France and um, my touring agency is based there and the French audience has just been really welcoming of me like unbelievably. And I've gotten so many like performance opportunities there. I've been to every single little town all through France. <laughs> yeah, it's like a point where I'm like kind of sick of croissants. And yeah. <laughs> but like uh, I, I, I love the French audience. I think they're awesome. But of course I love my audience here at home. Yeah. But if I'm thinking about it outside of home, I would say France. Um, and I think maybe part of it is because I don't understand French. So I can't hear if anyone's saying something bad <laughs> so that's also a win <laughs> yeah i can imagine i wouldn't get sick of the croissants though because oh my gosh i like croissants <laughs> yeah and the pastries i'm sure it's amazing um like with all the up and down and the hustle and the bus the bustle like how do you keep saying how do you from you know from into this gig, into this studio, into this podcast, into like going between that and then getting home and then maybe losing Catherine a little bit and trying to get back to her. Like what is your method or your mantra in that? Um, it's changed a lot over the years because I used to be someone who liked being out on the streets. I used to party like, yo, you'd see me. <laughs> In every, uh, you can ask Roxanne sitting over here, my wife, um, we met on, on the party scene. I was like <laughs> out all the time. And then when you start doing this kind of work where music is your job, you, yeah. st you stop liking going out. Yeah. So I've become a very kind of like quiet homebody. I really mm. enjoy being at being home. home yeah. I like cooking. After I'm on tour, I like to come home and eat like a part of a hot part of food. Like. Mm. <laughs> um, but also creating a routine um, that's consistent when I'm traveling and when I'm moving, like having something that anchors me. And often that is like doing my morning practice, which is practicing gratitude, yeah. doing my affirmations, and then like doing some form of exercise that really like gives me a sense of consistency. So no matter like where I'm traveling, there's something that feels familiar, you know, because you're in different places. I also like on a personal level, I don't have a uh, issue with drinking alcohol. I mean, I um, enjoy having a drink now and then or whatever, but uh, I think like not drinking when I'm performing and not like engaging in like any stimulants yeah. while I'm performing that also has really helped because it like separates work and play for me so I know when I'm working and I know when I'm there to perform and be there for the audience versus like when I want to have fun and have a drink you know that's been really important to like create clear divides and boundaries for myself Okay. Um, that's so good because we also at Bridges are kind of taught about affirmations and gratitudes. And like I said earlier on that, you know, being an artist and giving people part of you, it's important to know how to get back to yourself because you can lose yourself and no one's going to be there to like get you back. You always have to be there for yourself. Um, but yeah, in my closing question, I just wanted to know, can you tell us a bit more about what we can expect from Dope Say Jude or what your future plans are, whether it be like in music or outside of music. Yeah. You know, the world is really my oyster at this point. I am 
in a really great creative space. I am enjoying being in Cape Town right now. Um, I'm working on, I've got like a few singles I'm releasing. I'm working on music with, for a video game with some of my friends called Team Laserbeam. Um, they're releasing a video game and I'm writing some of the characters. I am just being pulled in whatever direction like feels good for me and is comfortable for me. And I'm very lucky to be in a position where I can do that. Like I can just kind of like follow my passions right now. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the, it feels like the world is my oyster. I'm out here. I want to, this year, I, I want to focus on my work with Bridges. I want to focus on my creativity and I want to expand like my network in South Africa again. So just hopefully you see more of me and see like um, just good things. I hope I want to be in service of people. Like that's my new uh, affirmation and my new mantra. <laughs> yeah, um, that's amazing. I have really learned a lot from you. So you're definitely in service of educating me and anyone who's listening. Um, I really appreciate your time and it's been amazing to actually meet you. I've never met you before. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities that we share and yeah super inspiring so moving forward i hope you're able to continue to serve people but yeah thank you guys so much thank you and i appreciate your like thoughtful questions like i really appreciate <laughs> i've been interviewed many many times and i always appreciate like thoughtful questions and like meaningful questions you know it's yeah. fun it's like it's really nice <laughs> thank you <Thanks. laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we do making them. Remember, if you'd like to attend any of these workshops live, enroll in any of our upcoming programs. To support the work we do, you can find more information on bridgesformusic.org. Please don't forget to subscribe, as we'll be bringing new inspiring conversations soon. Until next time.